We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap. Looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paula. Flying alone for this special edition of Rams Talk Radio. We are still before the Saints game. But we got our hands on a wonderful interview today, a real short one with Hall of Fame finalist Isaac Bruce, and we wanted to get that out to you as kind of a pregame, you know, I don't know, pep talk, so to speak. Really, just to look at, uh, just to really look at his Hall of Fame career briefly. Also, get his views in the Saints game, and you know, just just to talk about his journey a little bit. We did an interview with him last year, and it went pretty well. Today, I asked him some more difficult questions, and. I would like for you to hear his answers. I, I think that especially given the debate that we saw the night the finalists were announced on our Twitter feed, for example, that it was a it was a really key thing to hear what he had to say. I almost fear a little bit that he got a little upset with me and some of the things that I, I asked about, but it wasn't about me. I, I wanted to give him the opportunity to hear some of the arguments being made and respond to him. And quite frankly, he was a professional all the way through and gave me some really great answers and just made a valid case for why he should be in the Hall of Fame. And sometimes we forget about those cases. We just look at the numbers and we think numbers, 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 and that's it. We don't think about all the intangibles. And some and the debate I got with um, the guy from Pro Football Journal, that's what it felt like to me. It just he wasn't looking at the intangibles. He's looking at the numbers. And in a lot of ways, 
uh, Isaac really kind of addressed those things that I've been expressing overall. So before we get into the interview, and it's worth it, folks, it's really worth the listen, I do want to go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors really quickly today. Um, it's a short podcast, and just want to thank them overall. Jim Hawk at Hollywood Scene Grit Glamour in the 19th Los Angeles Rams. This book, folks, it's a great book for Rams history. And if you are interested in that era between the 50s, uh, 53 to 57, especially, that's where Jim's, hack John, uh, Jim's dad, John, played. That's a great opportunity for you to learn about that team, that era. In this, in this time, we had stars like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Krasilix Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. You can find Hawk's book online at hollowestteam.com and on Twitter at hollowestteam. It's also available both in hardback and electronic form in Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, yeah. And you can find this book pretty much anywhere else. Books are sold. So I read it. Norm read it. Johnny read it. We're trying to get Steve to read it, but it's a little hard these days. Folks, it's it's really worth your time. Check it out, okay? Also, our original sponsor, the man, Sal Martinez. Don't forget him. The Gold Ram Barbershop has been following this team. It's, it's been you know, built the shrine to the Rams way, way back in 1994 when the team left for St. Louis. Sal kept the lights on ever since. It's a great place to get a haircut, old school barbershop style, and then talk football, talk sports, especially Rams football. Great place for it. It's the Gold Ram Barbershop, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Give them a call again at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. The hours of operation are Friday, Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call, 714-894-7267. Folks, a trip to his barbershop, it's a wonderful experience, especially if you are a hardcore football fan, a bit of a manly man who wants the old school experience. All right, folks. So without further ado, let's talk a little bit with the man, Isaac Bruce. All right, folks, I'm here with Hall of Fame finalist, Isaac Bruce. Isaac, it's great to talk to you again. It's been a year since the last time we talked. How you doing? Oh, man, all is well, man. Um, everything's going well. Excited. Uh, uh, just a lovely day, man. I, I can tell just judging from the background you're on the move. It's it's yeah. really hard to get you. Um, how, what's the, what's it been like for you since once again you've been announced as a finalist? You know it's been pretty exciting, man. Uh, just this whole process once again. You know it kind of tosses you right back into you know limelight, and uh, you know it's exciting for my family. Or uh, my friends, uh, it's funny. My colleges and, and obviously the Rams. So um, for myself, just going through the process again, uh, it's exciting, and I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for an announcement. Man. So it's gonna be great. Now this year, it's you're the only wide receiver in the class that that's left. Fifteen, only one left. How confident are you that this will be your year? Well, I tell you what, I've been confident uh, since the first year I became eligible, man. And I was, I was confident then. Uh, I can honestly say I thought it, you know, should have been happened. Um, pretty confident this year. My confident level has, has been, you know, has been soaring here uh, as of late. And you know, it's a lot of great candidates, uh, other finalists who have had great seasons. 
And, uh, you know, I think they'll all end up in the Hall of Fame at some point. But uh, it's always great, you know, just to be compared to, to the great ones who, who did and played the same position as you. So I'm excited about that part. So when I look at your career, you've you finished – uh, 13th overall with 1,024 receptions, uh, 5th overall, 15,208 yards, 12th overall with receiving touchdowns, 91. You're right up there. You played in an era where there were a lot of great receivers, Marvin Harrison, Torrey Holt, all those guys. And now it's your third year eligible. What specifically sets you apart right now than a lot of these other receivers who haven't gone in yet? Well, um, I think that remains to be answered by those who are scrutinizing and those who are uh, judging my career. Um, uh, for me, on a personal basis, um, when you when you look at me, I, I, you just really look at the impact. I mean, um, I have a tree. Uh, we always talk about a coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about the, the, the position tree that I left, the legacy that I left with the Rams. Uh, the players that came into the fold while I was there, um, if they were able to feed and learn from me, um, I would say yes. Um, just impact plays. Uh, you know, I think some of the criteria that, uh, that, that, that's gone over through this process, you know, that being yards per catch, that being, uh, receiving yards, catches, touchdowns, and postseason plays. I think those things are important. So um, when that question comes up, I think I check every box like I did, you know, when I first retired. I mean, you know, I'm currently sitting at number five right now as far as receiving yards are concerned. But, you know, I was the second guy ever in the history of the league to have 15,000 yards. Yeah. So that's the way that works. Now, this is a tough question for me to ask, but it bothered me when someone uses argument and debate with me. The night you were – the night it was, you were announced a finalist, our, our team, the Rams talk team got into a little bit of pro football journal and, and they, they use this argument. They said that because you were in a duo with Tory Holt, it actually okay. makes it harder for you to get in because you, it's, it's all about the system and the offense you were in and how you weren't able to shine as much because you were having to share the low with Tory Holt and other receivers. How do you feel about that argument? And what does that, you know, say about, NFL offenses in general. Well, I tell you what, it makes it, it, it sets apart uh, those who know football and those who don't. Because what player that played in the league offensively or defensively was not in a system? They make they make system seem like it was a bad word. Um, you talk about a three four system or a four three system. Sure, it's the system, and it's those players who can take that system and, and take it to another level. Now, as far as playing with a duo, I mean, you have Randy Moss, Chris Carter. Those were duos. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Jerry Rice. If there was no John Taylor, I mean, I don't think Jerry Rice has the numbers that he had. So as far as that hurting me, I don't think it hurt me. I think it may have suppressed my numbers some when the Brady Show on Turf uh, came into existence. I mean, before that, I averaged 100 catches, 1,500 yards a season. And 10 touchdowns. That was my average before I met those guys. So um, questions like that, and they normally come from from guys who have never played competitive sports. I mean, they just don't understand that football is a 
dependency game, and you depend on a lot of people doing their job so you can do your job effectively. So that's my answer for that. Yeah, it would be hard to imagine that you would have been able to keep that same pace of numbers over the years if you didn't have guys like Tory Holt and Marshall Falk on the field with you. Sooner or later, they're just going to just gonna, you know key you all the time and just make it all that much harder for you. That's just how I feel. That's the thing. For a long time, I was the only I was the only Ram offensive option that that uh, required a double team. So before those guys got there, it may have been you know unimaginable. And that that's another thing. That once again, for those who've never played, they can't imagine that. But for a guy like myself, I can imagine you know averaging numbers like that because that's just the way I thought. That was my thought process. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about increasing everything about me and my game every year. So, um, once again, that goes to the people who haven't probably haven't played the game, but just studied and, and watched the game from the outside. Now, just moving far a little bit here, how how special is it for you to see this Rams team reemerge as a, as a league power going into the championship game this weekend at the same time now where you're up to be in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's, it's very exciting. Um, I'm excited about just the team playing well again. I think we have a bunch of great guys led by some good coaches who are really coaching the game of football, putting guys in position to make plays. I think the entire crew, offense, the defense, the special teams, are in, a, are in a great place. And for them to be playing in a conference championship again, first time since, what, 2001, um, I think it's awesome. And, and for the for the chance to play in a Super Bowl, you know, where we won our first Super Bowl is even more awesome. And I think it's very special. And then for a personal standpoint, you know, I had a lot of great firsts that happened to me in the city of Atlanta versus the Falcons. Uh, my first catch, first touchdown grab, and obviously the Super Bowl game-winning touchdown, which is something else that probably separates me from a lot of other guys, you know, that, that's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And – just to have it once again in Atlanta, Georgia, have an opportunity to be there and my team uh, being represented for the NFC and me having an uh, opportunity to be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame is priceless. Going back to that Super Bowl year, you you just mentioned that just catching that touchdown. How how I even word this question because I really want to know. I'm I'm a, I'm a forty year old. Fat Italian guy, okay, who will never ever get to feel what you felt. What is yep. the best way to explain how it felt to you to catch that pass, take it in the end zone, be a Super Bowl champion? Well, I'll tell you what, man, it starts with that imagination, man. And, and that moment that the world got to see uh, in Super Bowl 34, you know, it was the moment that I had practiced over and over again. It's a time where I had imagined. Uh, making that play in my backyard. The only difference was uh, the location, doing it in the Georgia Dome, and it wasn't it wasn't Dan Marino throwing me the football. It was Kurt Warner. So it's amazing how that transpired, but I was really calm, cool, collected through the whole process because I had practiced it so many times. Okay, so also wanted to ask you, last time we talked to you, we – Got cut up on the Isaac, Isaac Bruce Foundation. How is your foundation doing? Where are some new projects going on? And you know what? How can people get involved? Oh man, that's easy, man. We're uh, currently getting ready to uh, hold another flag football tournament. Um, 
It's one that we do annually in the city of St. Louis. And we're getting ready to start our Flight 300 program uh, in early spring. We start to pass out our uh, scholarship awards. And it's very simple, man. You can always go on our website, IsaacBruce.org, and participate and donate money that way. Or you can always call 314-369-4074. Get any information that you need. And uh, it's growing. Flight 300 is is my personal baby, and that's growing consistently, man, and I'm excited about it. Now, you are you ever going to do a uh, ever going to do another Legends Legend of the Dome game by chance? We may we may bring that back. I mean, it was such a success the first time, and, and people have been crying for it. the twenty the twenty year uh, anniversary of winning Super Bowl 34 is coming around, so people should start looking out for something. I just had one of my former teammates mention. Uh, wanting to do something again in St. Louis. So I think the players are itching for it. So I know the fans will love it. So we'll put something together and uh, get it back in the dome maybe and uh, celebrate again. Okay, so last question. And I can, I can understand you being a little hesitant to answer this one, right? Okay. okay. I want two predictions. A, do you, is this your year? Okay, and B, what are you predicting for the score uh, for this Sunday's game? Oh man, those are two easy answers. Absolutely, this is my year. Man. Um, uh, without any doubt, you know. Um, as far as the game is concerned, um, I say we win this football game. Uh, I believe it'll be in dramatic fashion. I think it's close. It has to be close with uh, every all the great things that the Saints have done this year on the field, and they're playing at home. So I say we win this game, man. Twenty-four, twenty-one. Well, you're actually actually calling a little bit lower scoring than some of my colleagues are. We I had it at twenty seven twenty four, and Norm had it at thirty eight thirty five. Uh, three points sounds good. I say twenty four twenty one. Twenty four twenty one. And we'll okay. see you in Atlanta. See you in Atlanta. Um, well, one thing one thing I'm hoping, Isaac, is I am hoping that come August of this year, I see you in Canton. Uh, we've well, made. We've made this case in our show numerous times now where, um, that you belong in the Hall of Fame. We know it, and I can't wait for the rest of the league to know it as well. Absolutely, man. I'm sure they'll bring the Rams out to play in that game, so we'll all be there, man. It'll be great. Okay, so again, thank you so much for your time, folks. This is Isaac Bruce. Uh, again, honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. All right, folks, so there was Isaac Bruce. A great interview with him. Um, a couple things, really, I wanted to hit on before we go ahead and go. Again, I didn't want to keep you guys too long for this short, short podcast. We're gearing up for the weekend. And some of us here on the East Coast are getting ready for a snowstorm. I don't know if you all knew that. Snow in California doesn't happen much. On the East Coast, happens a whole lot. All right. So, after the interview, <clears throat> excuse me, after the interview, I got a, a message back from Isaac's office. A wonderful lady there who got us in touch and got the interview set up for us. Really, just really, really nice lady. And he sent her a text. And he wanted to remind me of the following stats. 100 catches, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. And what he meant by that was this is what he averaged per year before the greatest show on turf. And so I looked at his numbers. I looked at, well, you know, 1994, no. 97, no, 96, sorry, 98, no. Now, in 94, he didn't play a full season. In 97, injured. 
98 injured. So now, okay, now I get where he is. He was hurt, and those two years had some thigh issues, hamstring issues, so on and so forth. He's talking about his two full seasons. 100 catches average, 1,500, uh, 10 touchdowns a season. Actually, he was underestimating himself. It was more than 100 catches per year by a little bit. Um, 119, 95, and 84, and 96, and also over 1,500 yards. He actually, in those two years, received, um, caught receiving 3,119, so he's over 1,550 a year. That's an amazing accomplishment. So what he's saying is, hey, when I'm healthy, during that time when the Rams were not very good, and he was the only option they got, look at the numbers I put up. You can go through the rest of his career, be in 1999, 77 catches for 1,165 yards, 12 touchdowns, 2,064 catches, sorry, 87 catches for 1,471 and 9 touchdowns, 2001, that's a 64 catches for 6 touchdowns, 2002, and that's with Kurt Warner out, and that offense that kind of struggled a little bit with with uh, Mark Bolger getting his first moves, 79 catches for 1,075 yards and 7 touchdowns, and again, even all the way up to to 2006, 74 catches, 1,098 yards, uh, three touchdowns that year. His final years with, with San Francisco, his last full year, was 2008. Again, full year, that was 61 catches, 835 yards, and seven touchdowns. I look at that and go, that is a, a, a career of longevity. And over the years, he suffered the occasional injuries that come with just playing the game. And I understand that. What people need to remember about those numbers is when he retired, he mentions it in the interview, he was one of only two guys to have over 15,000 yards receiving. That's changed, of course, now because some great receivers uh, finished their careers as well. But remember, he was doing this before the greatest show on turf. He was doing this before them. Five games in, in 98, he had 457 yards. Uh, put that out for a, a whole 16-game schedule, you're close to 1,500 yards receiving. Uh, in 97, 56 catches in 12 games, 815, so he's going to probably be around 1,200 yards receiving that year if he stays healthy. Again, folks, this is what he did. This is what he did. And during those years, 95, 96, 97, 98, he was the only option. He was their best option. They didn't have anybody at running back. The bus was gone. They, tra- they traded the bus. Okay. Um, they Lawrence Phillips was a bust. Who did you have at receiver? And really, uh, you had Chris Chris Miller was serviceable, and and in the you know during his. Latter part of his career, Chris Chandler, before he went over to the Falcons and did his magic there. So he didn't really have anybody. And that's the point he was making. Also, another point that he really made in the interview that I found fascinating was the, the, the duos argument, where the argument that was made to me by Pro Football Journal was, you know, he is part of a duo. Duos tend to get shafted uh, when it comes to Hall of Fame. And Isaac mentions the fact that Jerry Rice... Where would he be without John Taylor? Where would Randy Moss have been early in his career without Chris Carter? So, you why are you punishing? Why are you arguing that you're going to punish players for being part of a great team? 
a team won a Super Bowl. So when all those things are out there, the main thing to me that sticks out about Isaac Bruce is he was consistently productive at a high level throughout his career. And every time he came back from an injury, he still performed well up until the end. That's the marks that that is the marking of a serious, seriously one of the best in the game. And he was. There's just no doubt about it. Do we wish he would have been a little healthier at times? Do we wish that we would have seen him in some more productive offenses later on in his career to see what he would have done? That that's fine. But the 2006 Rams weren't great offensively anymore, and he still was 74 passes for almost 1,100 yards. A year later, 55 catches and 61 catches in San Francisco in a really bad offense, really. So I don't know what else you can expect from Isaac Bruce other than wishing he would have stayed healthier. Is that how, do you penalize him for that? No. It's one of the best in the game. One of the best in the game. He did it quietly. He was a leader on the field. He is the key to the passing game for the Rams during the 1999 season. We could say it was, well, Marshall Marshall Falk was a catalyst overall for that offense. Everything ran through him. But where is that receiving core without Isaac Bruce? He had a still-developing first-year, kind of just getting, getting his hands dirty a little bit, Torrey Holt, and Torrey Holt becomes wonderful. But Isaac Bruce was the lead guy in that receiving court that year. He's the guy who caught the touchdown pass to win the Super Bowl. That's just what it is. We can make that argument over and over and over again as to how viable he was, but Isaac Bruce was the guy. So do I expect at the end of January here at the Super Bowl weekend when they announced the Hall of Fame uh, inductees, why I expect Isaac Bruce to be in there? I don't see a reason why not. He needs to be there. As the only receiver in that group, I understand he's up against some great players. They're all deserving. There are a few on that on, who are not on that list who are deserving right now, quite frankly. That includes Torrey Holt. But he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He needs to be in there. So also, folks, in case you, in case you missed it, um, Get a chance to take a look at Isaac's foundation if you can help. Uh, it's a really great cause. He's been involved in some great missions, especially those of you fans that stuck with us from St. Louis and still listen, folks. Um, he's still highly active there, and uh, there you go. Okay, so I'm closing up shop here. I just wanted this brief podcast, kind of a, you know, just a little bit of something, something else to add for the championship game. You guys saw he called the game, 24-21 Rams. I, I was surprised he called that low of a score, but... Hey, that's that's he that's what he wanted. If you're interested in sponsoring us, as you see, we we are providing good content. We are getting a hold of players and getting them out to you. Um, reach out to us, folks. Rams talk nineteen forty five at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at six five seven six 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 five four five three. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. It's got all of our stuff on there. You can find me on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find Rams Talk. Sorry, you can find Rams Talk. On Twitter, Talk Rams. You can find me at DC Apollo. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We have our group there, Rams Talk Room. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. And a special thanks to Isaac Bruce for taking his time out of his schedule. The guy has been been hounded for interviews ever since he announced it out. And this is the second straight year he's taken time to talk with us. So we're deeply appreciative for that. Thank you, Isaac, for everything you've done in your career uh, to be a Ram. 
We're proud to know you as you're going to be a Hall of Famer as a Ram. And um, it was just great to watch you play. So for the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Apollo. want to wish you guys a happy weekend. Stay out of the snow. Looking forward to hopefully Rams win. Peace out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.